How are you staying creative, but also taking care of yourself and your dog? Basically is your question. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Uh, how am I staying creative and taking care of my dog? Um, like in the midst of the pandemic, I think. Is right. Like the yeah. yeah. Uh, I've, yeah. I've, uh, I was doing a lot of knitting and that included knitting a lot of sweaters for him, for my dog. <laughs> um, and I'm not doing as much knitting now, but I'm, you know, I'm still walking him. I'm still feeding him <laughs> <laughs> at this point. It's just, we're just hanging out a lot and keeping each other company. He, um, he's not, he, he just likes being with me. So that's like he's he's not the kind of dog who's like I need to hang out with other dogs. I take him to a dog park and he's just like, uh, "What's up? I'm gonna go smell the corner." Bye. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so so I'm taking care of him by just hanging out with him. <laughs> How have you like? What's your like relationship to like creativity during like pandemic times and stuff like how have you have you been able to like kind of make stuff or like or are you just kind of like i'm gonna take it easy for a little while or what's your what are you how are you feeling generally um a little of both um as i said for a while i was i was really knitting a lot doing a lot of crafting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um it's on your imdb page like <laughs> yeah and I've, i mean i've also been working and i did a um i did a podcast for the bbc world service um oh, wow. and so yeah so so that that was all creative and, and kept me going. Um, but uh, right now, I'm kind of like between hobbies and I, I need a new creative hobby. Um, I find that I work better if I have some sort of creative hobby that get, gets the momentum going. So mm-hmm. if I am... As I said, for me, it was knitting. It was a lot of knitting. Um, If I'm like sitting around knitting, then then I'm like, oh, I'm getting stuff done. All right. I'm making things. I'm the kind of person who makes things and gets stuff done. Mm -hmm. I can go write something. I can go send some emails, like all of the things that are actually part of my work and creativity (laughs) on a larger scale. Um, But yeah, as I said, the knitting's not doing it for me. It's hard during the summer to be excited about yeah, less there. necessary for sure. Yeah, I was crocheting yeah. a blanket over the winter, and then summer rolled around, and I got like halfway through it, and I was like, "Hey, this is incredibly big. I'm never gonna finish this. <laughs> also, it's incredibly hot. I'm never gonna finish this." So, yeah, I, yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah. I started making smaller, uh, like instead of old blankets, because mm. uh, I also I I can't do anything where if I'm if I'm knitting something and it's in pieces and I have to join it, or if it's something really huge like a blanket, it's just not gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I make like a little one skein blankets for my mm. dog, um, or, and cat and just like stick them where they like to sit on the couch. And then I can wash that instead of having to deal with pet hair all the time. That's such a so good idea. They're like little teeny, little teeny blanket squares <laughs> and they get finished. So right. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I, I don't have a problem staying creative. I have a problem staying productive. So oh, wow. it's about different ways of tricking myself into being productive. <laughs> I'll sit around and be creative and stare at my ceiling all day long, but it's about taking all the creative thoughts and making them into something. Mm. Um, that That's where it gets trickier. Josie, like, what about you? Like, what's kind of like your relationship, like to creativity during this time? Like what, what was like, how have your experience? Well, in the, in the year <laughs> since uh, we last recorded, um, I've switched from working full time and, you know, um, paying the bills and trying to like be creative on the side to full-time content creation and like, you know, trying to pursue supporting myself via, you know, um, doing social media and Twitch and things like that. And 
So I think I definitely feel the um, the stress or the tension between productivity and creativity because sometimes you creativity it's important just to be creative for yourself and create and create mm. things that you know you want to make um, and especially because um, a lot of the creativity that I'm putting out right now is based on metrics like numbers like how many views mm -hmm. did this video get how many likes how much interaction and it's sucked out a lot of the joy of creating that kind of content. So in terms of like trying to stay creative right now, um, I'm actually kind of letting myself just be because, I mean, it's fucking hard <laughs> mm. being in a pandemic, being isolated. And I'm, I'm currently also living by myself, which that's going to change next month. I'm having some roommates. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But like not having that also, not having that creative environment to like bounce ideas off other people, to have other perspectives, to... Um, have excitement about an idea like like oh I, I can get really really excited about something something creative and then if it's like either if either it seems like too much to do on my lonesome or it's just I'm I'm preoccupied with just trying to be a person you know sure. <laughs> like, yeah yeah like what am I gonna eat tomorrow oh okay the, the, uh, when when that's on the forefront of my mind then you know creativity is not so I think it's like right now I'm resting storing up ideas and, and not worrying too much about being productive because it, like eliza said i think it's like the ideas will come it's not an it's not an issue of being creative it's an issue of actually like of putting out cre creative content that can be consumed and i think it's a huge huge difference yeah well speaking of uh content that can be consumed let's start the episode <laughs> click <laughs> Remember that record that you bought me like two years ago? Well, I just remembered that it's sitting in the closet. So I called you up just to tell you I've been meaning to listen to that. I've been meaning to listen to that. Why don't you come over and talk about it? Ooh. Why don't you come over and talk about it? That was good. All right. That was your best <laughs> one in a while, Andrew. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like waiting for Josie to like stop, like to like <laughs> say something cool. It's so the best way to have a conversation. Everyone's always just waiting for me to shut up. <laughs> I'm just waiting for you to stop. Don't worry. Yeah, like take, taking some advice from Cornelius uh, from... Uh, Earth and Ed. Uh, but welcome to the show. Um, welcome to the show. Welcome to I've Been Mean to Listen to That, the podcast where we go through albums we've been mean to listen to and use as a conduit to learn about each other and our guests. I'm Andrew Ambrose Lee. I'm Sean Wilkinson. And I'm Michael Limitado. And oh boy, we're in the midst of... Oh boy. Doughboys. Um, by the way, like I love that like animation they made of you and like Mitch and uh, I don't know. Oh. Go. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> but the uh, the 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 stuffed the, the, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like one of my favorite. Like people check that out. Um, but yeah, welcome to the show. Uh, we are in the midst of um, what's it called? Dolly Podton, our month long dive into Dolly Parton. Uh, she was our March moodiness winner, and uh, we're talking. We you chose her, and we're talking about her because you made us, you uh, peer pressured us into doing so. But yeah, let's introduce our uh, very first special guest. 
Uh, you might know her as a series regular on I've Been Meaning to Listen to That. You also might know her as a burst from her burgeoning career as Saint Josie and as a Twitch slash TikTok star with over 100k followers on TikTok. It's returning favorite Josie Chong. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Thank you so much, Josie, for coming back. Um, I have abandonment. I have abandonment issues. That's why I keep saying that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, thank you so much for coming back. Uh, it's been really awesome to like have this podcast be like this demarcation of time mm-hmm. of just like how our friendship has like kind of evolved and stuff like that. You've always looked out for me. That really means a lot. Yeah, I guess I just want to before we kind of like get to our second guest of honor. I just want to like talk to you a little bit about like mm-hmm. the year, like the last year, mm-hmm. and like kind of. It's been a year, about a little over a year since you're like transitioning, mm-hmm. and we you talked a little bit about like gender euphoria and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and also recently, like I mentioned, your following kind of blew up. You kind of like are gaining an audience and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and like being creative, finding an audience, being creative in that way. I was like wondering, you know, how that's been and how like you've been kind of working through that a little bit. Well. The best way to describe how much has gone on in the last year would be that it's a lot. <laughs> a <laughs> yeah, lot yeah. has changed. Um, aside from, you know, the obvious things like transitioning and the physical things that have changed. And a lot in my social life and social circles have changed. You know, like the, the, the people who are the closest to me are, you know, that has changed. And along with that, um, stage of life has changed. Like um, I'm no longer working. And... Um, like I said, there's a lot that's happened in the last year, but in, <laughs> but in terms of while all of that's going on in the midst of a pandemic and then all of a sudden finding an audience on social media, just kind of like within the last, like it's I, actually, I just did, um, I just went back and found the first TikTok I posted. It was about like, it was like two weeks ago that, um, to, to the year first TikTok I posted. And then for a long time, like nobody watched or like, it was just and then around October of last year is when, you know, things started blowing up. And then, um, yeah, now we're here. I think um, I think the biggest thing has been like, right now it feels like I'm kind of like in between things. It feels like in between leaving, working full-time and being a full-time content creator. Like I, I, like, I am a full-time content creator and I do have a TikTok audience. But it's like seeing the numbers on TikTok go up and then have not having that relate to something tangible going on like a tangible product it's like yes this audience is there there's a community that's being built on tiktok and twitch and things like that and those are great amazing things and then my my product my productive mind says like okay but like but like what's like what, what does this mean like what's the next step like what does this build into um how do i and even part of partially like how do i turn a profit on this like how do i make a living from this you know mm-hmm. um that i have no idea i'm still trying to figure out and kind of like the not just transitioning in physical in in gender and physical appearance things like that also just transitioning in where life is going to go from now on you know because being a trans being a trans femme individual especially a trans woman of color is very very different experience from being you know a cishet guy married cishet guy working in a corporate office so I'm just sure. trying to figure things out <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's like once again like I'm just like I I know it's gonna lead somewhere really awesome for you, and I'm just like we're just we're just happy to ride your coattails. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, uh, we got a second guest here today. Uh, you might know her from the as the host of Cool Playlist, uh, the head writer of Earth to Ned, and a recent Emmy winner. 
uh, working Ooh. on the 35th uh, Film of Independent Spirit Awards. It's Eliza Skinner. She's back. Returning hey, favorites. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's, it's good to be back. Yeah. How's it feel to be like Hollywood elite now? Uh, uh, I don't think I'm Hollywood elite. I mean, you were still able to book me. Oh, no. <laughs> I was able um, but, uh, Yeah, no, it's, I, d- I did win an Emmy, but my boyfriend and my parents all reacted to it by saying, wait, like an Emmy Emmy <laughs> for what? Even my reps were like, Oh, cool. For what? I'm like, for writing what I do for a living. Pay attention to me, please. <laughs> okay. Everybody. Yes. It's a real Emmy. Yes. It has my name. Putting on it. words into an A-lister's mouth. And then she delivers it on stage. Yep. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, and it was, that was, the first time that the independent spirit awards have won an emmy for writing so that's pretty yeah. cool congratulations yeah, breaking the you. glass ceiling in multiple ways mm-hmm. um but like that's a, that's incredible like and like i watched a little bit of like i didn't get to watch all of it but like i watched the monologue i watched like the little uh the sketch beforehand and it was really cool to like see like oh aubrey plaza is like a really good like vehicle for your sensibility and your voice like yeah i guess like i just want to like and I was watching it, I was like, "Oh, this has your fingerprints all over it." In terms of like, obviously, you probably worked with a team and stuff like that. Oh yeah. But, but like the idea of just like some of the jokes, like the like the directing sisters joke, I felt like it was had your fingerprints on it, and like just like the it being like, oh, award shows are weird, but also it being like a good award show kind of. I thought was really cool so like tell us a little bit about like that like experience of like writing for that show writing for the award show and yeah it was my second year writing for it because it was Aubrey's second year hosting I've known Aubrey for a a very long time um but we hadn't really I didn't know her well and we hadn't worked together until the Independent Spirit Awards two years ago and yeah we found that we have a lot of the same sensibilities and work together very well and, and enjoyed that so we did it again um, and there were a lot of great writers who worked on, on both shows. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it is very up my alley to most of my work has been in the comedy variety space, specifically like celebrity driven TV, which is not what I love about it, but <laughs> it is usually more like live presentational talk shows, award shows that a couple variety shows, um, less so acting and narrative. And um, so I I have a hard time seeing artifice and not commenting on that artifice. And so I feel like, yeah, you're, you're right. We, we did that within the, the, that, that award show and they did a lot in earth to Ned also, but yeah, a lot of great writers, Neil Casey also wrote on, on it. I love that guy. Yeah. 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 And uh, Jess Dweck. I mean, if you follow anybody on Twitter, Either you follow Just Weck or they do. Um, she's very, very funny. Um, yeah, like just a ton of people. So I, I was one of many on that show, um, but one of many funny people. And Aubrey is one of the best people to write for, at least for me, because she's normally when I write uh, for a host, unless they're a puppet, um, their <laughs> their reaction is, Ugh, this is weird. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. With Aubrey, it was like, "Whoa, this is weird. Can you make it weirder?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's that's very fun. Um, so yeah. By the way, I like thought it'd be cool to like 
have you on the show again. But like, as I've been listening to this album, like I'm realizing your your attitude and like your thoughts towards like oh like celebrities weird and like how we kind of like look at this is like how we worship celebrities and how we like ask them to represent us is weird. And I thought for this album it'd be perfect so like let's let's talk a little bit about dolly parton and i guess um to josie and to eliza um what is your relationship to dolly's music to her discography to her as an icon all of that um well i um you know i grew up knowing of her mostly for boobs um and it was like oh hilarious what i'm kidding (laughs) hilarious all the jokes about dolly barton's boobs Mm. um and then started finding out more about her and was like oh she's cool and i agree i also idolized we would now say sex workers as a child and was like oh these are the most glamorous ladies ever which (laughs) she's got like famous quotes about um i i really first got into her obviously nine to five, the, the single is probably, I think most people's first um, yeah. uh, uh, experience with Dolly Parton. But I also really got into her when I bought um, white limousine Ooh. from a CD, like a used CD discount bin. And it was like two, $3 or whatever. And I was like, Whoa, Dolly Parton, this has <laughs> got to be good. And so it was one of the first CDs that I owned and wow. would listen to it over and over. Yeah. It was like that shoop. The Kiss of the Spider Woman Broadway cast, um, <laughs> uh, or, or whatever the the Salt and Pepper album with Shoop on it, mm. it's not called Shoop, um, <laughs> but yeah. So I, and I would listen to White Limousine a lot. It's that the the single people probably are. I don't know if you've already done an episode on that album, but the single people probably know the most from that is Why'd You Come In Here Looking Like That? Mm. Why'd you come in here looking like that? From uh, White Limousine, boot? yeah. Uh, yeah, we're we're going to do that like next. So like, yeah, I'm very excited to hear that. It's great, full of bangers. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I'm, the, the you know as I've grown up, the more I learn about Dolly Parton, the the more impressed I am with her. She's an amazing businesswoman, a really like ethical businesswoman from yeah. from what I know. Let the way the world is, maybe something horrible would happen will happen and someone will be listening to this in fifteen years and they're like, Oh, child slavery, Dolly Parton, she's <laughs> ethical you know like, Hopefully that will not be what happens. But it seems like she she like uses the money that she makes to try to help people and yeah. to try to um, get businesses and programs started that will continue to help people. So I think that's all great. Um, nine to five Specifically, her involvement with Nine to Five, I think, is great. You know, that was written; that was a part written for her. Mm-hmm. They weren't sure she was going to be able to do it. She was like, "Yes." And her was it? I think the second, the backup choice for the role in the film was Anne Margaret. I think. Yeah, I didn't look Maybe. too deeply into that. I apologize. Uh, uh, but I won't. I guess we'll talk about the song. But <laughs> I was going to ask: Did you guys all like watch the movie, or have you seen the movie? I didn't get to see it. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> like, I feel you really guys good. have not seen the movie. No. Nine to five. Uh, like I like I didn't have enough time. I, I you really, really need no. to see the movie. It's I, a I, classic. It's yeah. and the and when you watch the movie, when you, I mean, I'm sure I haven't watched it with this year's eye, but I've seen it many times in my life. Um, so there's probably things that you're like, ooh, dated, but f- for the most part. I think you're like, wow, this was made back then. 
this feels like a very intelligent sure. um, movie um, and, and look at the workforce um, and sexual harassment yeah, um, and female friendship, which very often, you know, women in movies and TV, especially back then, they're only either like there's a foil for, for men or they're fighting with each other. Um, and so to see women working together for something. Well, even like just this, like when I first heard this song and like listened to the lyrics, I was like, oh, this is, she's like talking about like dismantling capitalism. Like, and this was like, however many years ago, like <laughs> yeah. Dolly, yeah. she can do everything. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's wild. The whole album is, but yeah, that that's yeah. not, so, so, uh, you know, coming from a point of view where like you, you know that you have to, you got to work. Like that's, mm-hmm. I feel like that's where she came from. Right. I got to mm-hmm. work. I got to be valued for it. Not because it's a popularity contest, but because I got to work, I think has served her well, like for mm-hmm. nine to five, she'd never been in Hollywood. She'd never like bit, well, I mean, maybe she'd come here, but she'd never quote unquote been in Hollywood. She'd never been in a movie, <laughs> but she knew to negotiate into her contract to make that, that, that she would get to write the theme song for this movie. Oh, awesome. So if the movie was successful, then that was a whole extra bump to her career and Mm -hmm. cash and everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And she wrote it while she was on set for it in a... um, in a hotel room using her little... Yeah, her little press-on. Yeah, her her acrylic nails as that... um, clicky-clacky typewriter typewriter sound right Mm -hmm. i thought it was a typewriter the first time well i mean i believe that it is it became a typewriter but like in writing it that's how she was like oh wow yeah any yeah what about josie like what's your kind of like um experience and understanding with like dolly parton and her like artistry so i'm pretty sure i've mentioned this at least once on you know the however many times i've been here (laughs) Um, but my knowledge of iconic music, uh, like music history is not great. So in terms of what I knew about Dolly Parton, no, yeah, not great at all. Um, just like missing very, very large chunks of, of history that I feel like I should know, feel kind of bad for not knowing, especially with Dolly. I don't know. Like, I think when I grew up, um, my parents were very, very strict about the kinds of media I would consume, including music. So um, I didn't listen to, quote-unquote, secular music until I was, like, 16 or something like that. You and I are in the same camp there. I remember I had to switch the album cover on iTunes for, this is so silly, like, uh, Katy Perry's uh, Teenage Dream to a uh, Mercy Me album cover on the computer <laughs> so my parents wouldn't know that I had it on the computer. That is awesome. <laughs> You could have used an older Katy Perry album, ironically. Oh, that's true. <laughs> started that's as a Christian musician. Christian artist. <laughs> yeah. That is such a niche experience that I somehow resonate with so deeply. Yeah. 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 My boyfriend had the same sort of thing, um, and he, he one of the only bands that he like got past his mom was Ministry. Because she was like, oh, well, that's got to be something very <laughs> religious. Fine. So it's got to be very Christian. And it's like, yeah. no, it's not. Oops. It's very, very punk hardcore. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, industrial, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, so you said you, like, didn't have a lot of, like, music history. Like, mm-hmm. so what about Dolly, though? Like, so, do you have any? Yeah. yeah. I think the only song that I knew from her was Jolene, um, which is, you know, mm-hmm. an iconic song. Um, and this, and then, and then, and then I realized that there are many songs that I had heard and knew and just did not know as Dolly Parton. Um, but yeah, oh, wow. but like Eliza said, like my first, um, impression with Dolly was that like, oh, this woman has a lot of, um, work. 
Um, oh, and, yeah. you know, um, and especially with the way that, um, the, the, in this, the, the social circles I grew up in talked about those kinds of things. It's like very much a misogynistic kind of like a, yeah, if you get work done, then you're just like a floozy trying to, you know. And so that was my actual, my first impression of Dolly Parton. She just like, she just some country, like, um, some promiscuous country singer that, um, and then, yeah. And then I started and then I was like, oh, yeah, she does all these all this um, amazing humanitarian work. Um, and mm -hmm. then as I have, you know, become a part of the LGBTQ community recently, I'm like, oh, and she's also a gay icon. So that's that's awesome, too. <laughs> yeah. 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 Big gay icon. Big I, gay I icon. have a shirt that, say, that says uh, <laughs> Dolly for president that I'll wear a lot. And uh, I wore it to my church, which is my church is all lesbians. And uh, my pastor. <laughs> what church is it? <laughs> it's a United Methodist Church. Uh, OK. I yeah, grew up yeah, Unitarian, yeah. so okay, so is yeah, mine. yeah, they're yeah. they're they're kind of the the two churches on the on the like LGBT side basically. But uh, uh, my pastor came up to me and was like, in, "She's very serious, like," and she was like, "Hey, uh, is that like for real?" Uh, is she running? Yeah, she, yeah. She, she was like, "I don't think we should have any political statements on shirts that are like," uh, and she was like, "She's just like." I don't know. We've just had like scary stuff. Like she just like worried, you know. And I was like, yeah, yeah. "No, no, you're good. This is a joke. This is a joke." And she was <laughs> like, oh, "Okay, good, good, good." Like, <laughs> yeah. What's, uh, what I think is so great about, or one of the things that I think is so great about Dolly Parton is not only is she all those things, but she makes them look effortless. You know, right, like she's yeah. not like struggling to help people or struggling to be accepting. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, see how easy it is for Dolly. Yeah, it should be like that for everybody. Right. Well, and it's no. like I, th I think it's because she like doesn't make a big deal out of it either, too. Mm -hmm. Like she's so yeah nonchalant about it that it's like. Well, it just seems like fundamental. Like yeah, be nice to people. Right. Work hard. Stick to your own business. <laughs> and if someone needs help, give it to them. Right. right. That's pretty like, simple stuff. <laughs> she. It's really interesting. Like her philanthropy and her like you know advocacy and stuff is really cool in terms of like oh she's kind like she is in some ways a stereotype but also defying a lot of stereotypes at the same time or like southern people are like bigots or like hateful all this stuff but like, she's just like this shining light of just like oh it doesn't have to be that way like well i also have a lot of opinions about that as someone from virginia that like mm. i think a lot of race stuff in america has gotten scapegoated onto the south we're like yeah there's definitely problems there but it's not like there's not problems right. in Oregon. Right. Like, right. <laughs> right. There's yeah. problems totally all right. over the place. Right. Absolutely. And I feel like a lot of the people that I know in the South, yes, they're monster people there also. And unfortunately, <laughs> those are usually the ones who are in power. But like the just regular people are the people who I know right, who have been right. like learning how to get along with each other and respect each other mm -hmm. and like have different types of people actually in their lives, which I think Dolly represents let's get it let's talk about this particular record nine to five a little bit um so all i really knew about it at the time was like when when we did the when we dolly won basically all i knew was this song nine to five and jolene and like i will always love you like if someone jumped out of the bushes and said like hey, quick name a dolly parnell it would be like nine to five and mm -hmm. odd jobs um yeah, that's really it. But, like, the rest of the album was just blank. I did not know any of it. I did not, like, none of, like, I, I read it and I was like, I don't know what this is. So, thought, like, let's go. I thought the whole yeah. album was going to be, like, music from the from the movie. I didn't so realize did I. it was all, I thought like, it was going to be a musical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. I, I, I'm guessing that the Straight Talk soundtrack probably is a lot more like that. Have you guys mm. got 
touched on straight talk at all her Mm-mm. no movie. i don't know that it... oh the, where the, she's, i know like little... she's a radio therapist and she gives oh, people down home oh man you guys gotta watch all these movies yeah, what that a treat i'm looking at the album cover she's like sitting on a pumpkin and it's very <laughs> cute i'm like i want to watch this yeah, she's heard of that one she like accidentally becomes an a radio therapist i believe like I think it's one of those situ. I could be totally wrong. I like it's one of those situations where she's like sitting in a uh, a radio studio, and they're like, "Go, it's time for your show." And she's like, "Huh, what, me? Okay, I'll take a call." And like suddenly, she's on the side of buses. I can um, definitely. If that's not correct, you sh- you have something you need to make sure. Right. So, <laughs> that sounds great. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at this. It says it's music fr- from the soundtrack, so See? I think that you. That one is probably a lot more of like, you know, music from a movie, right. which is my first impression of this album as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, it to- like, but like, this is like, so a little background, like the only background I know about this though is like, yeah, it was like kind of made, like the thing you said about like, she got to write the theme for the song. And this is like her first like big Hollywood. Mo- so like, she's like, the Porter Wagoner show is like in the rear view mirror at this point. Like she is successfully transcended that his shadow basically. And like, she's becoming her own star. And, uh, the themes I'm not like, let's talk about themes of this album. Like the theme, the big theme I'm noticing is like, she's kind of transcended into being an icon at this point. And now she's like saying like, I'm going to represent the common people. I'm going to represent the people back at back home. I'm going to represent the working girls, the, 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 like, you know, the common man, all that stuff. And yeah, and like, it's kind of like, not necessarily criticism, but like, it becomes less personal, in my opinion. Like she, it's like more about either she's telling a story about this other person, or she's doing a cover, or she's like saying like, let me be the representation of like, let me articulate your struggles and stuff like that. So that's why I'm kind of picking up. But what do you guys think? I mean, yeah, it feels like it's definitely about working. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's huh? yeah, and how, how yeah. hard and unfair um, and noble it is uh, like that the, the, the people who who are workers should be respected for it. Yeah. And I think, too, like with the last song on it, um, uh, what is it called? The one Poor with Port- Folkstown. Yeah. Where it's kind of that like if yeah, like working is, you know, obviously can like break you down and stuff, but and take over your life. But you know, if we stick together, basically, like we can kind of get through it. And, you know, if we work together, basically, it's it's all love and that can triumph over it, over it all. So a lot of Dolly's music, this album included, have kind of themes of like community and family built on top of whatever mm-hmm. else she's talking about. And I think that that helps kind of unify this like, yeah, working sucks, but like you do it for your family, you do it for right, like you know what's what's that one that was on the other album where she talked about the gold boots that her dad would get in heaven right right and it's like <laughs> not the gold working boots for her dad like <laughs> he doesn't want those anymore <laughs> eliza was talking about like the nobility of work it's like a noble thing to work to provide and sacrifice and stuff like that but like the hard part is the way we're treated the way we're like uh the way workers are like not appreciated not paid enough the conditions are bad you your dreams and ambitions are crushed by this greedy person just taking from you commodifying people and stuff like that 
And I think it's like really like so I oh, I watched a video of how like Dolly Parton secret Marxist <laughs> like kind of like basically uh-uh. a little bit. But like, I don't think she was like thinking about him in those words necessarily of just like capitalism's ruining the world. But also yeah, like, I mean she wouldn't even say that she was feminist for a long time. I I think she probably still hasn't. But yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, but yeah, I think it's definitely we should respect people who do work. We all right. need this work. That's why yeah. it's a thing. Um, so why have people do these jobs for us and then shit on them for it? Um, and you know, love that she's got two songs on the album about sex workers in that sense too. It's like, yeah, this is work people want done. So respect it and like tip your hat. Yeah. And tip money yeah yeah and also that the like grim fact that like we need money so like it's not a disgusting thing to do to work for it mm-hmm. it should it's mm-hmm. something that we should all just understand we're just doing in different ways mm-hmm. yeah. as long as we're in this system and on the note of just the of like songs being about sex workers when you know at, at that time there was just such strong stigma against sex workers but then talking about how like i, I think it's house of the rising sun which is not even it that's a cover right it's like i'm pretty yeah. sure i've heard that song okay yeah song by someone oh else. yeah um but it's, it's like covered by lots of people mm-hmm. i remember there was a word there was, there was a line that i that i heard i was like okay where love and money are made and i've worked uh and i've worked since then to pleasure the men at the house of the rising sun it's like okay in in contrast with nine to five and the other things it's like these are it's talking about making an honest living doing you know with the the world's oldest profession it's like she gets it she gets that it's very clear that she understands that it's a, we're all working against the man you know working against right the patriarchy and i, and I fucking love that i love that so much i didn't I honestly <laughs> I really like loved it I, I i really loved the way that she did it in in working girl where it was like you know this is what she looks like like here i'm gonna paint this picture for you and that picture you've got in your head that is a working girl mm. a working girl like, wow. which is a term for, for sex workers. Right. Um, and yeah. so, and, and so she knows what she's doing. She's like reminding you about the work part of the job. Well, Dolly has so much respect, not only for sex workers, but like, you know, she has more respect for like immigrant workers as well than like people I know now. Like this yeah. was oh, yeah. released in 1980. Oh, yeah. Like even people who I would say, side politically on the left this is like a strong like i mean that song is a little uh has some issues for sure but it's like you know it's deportee yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah, i mean that that song has been that that was a witty guthrie song i mean you guys know yeah 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 yeah, yeah, it's covered by so many people um and her cover is like maybe my favorite obviously i like 80s easy like listening pop and Mm -hmm. uh show tunes and it's got influences from all of those Mm -hmm. but i really i feel like she really she makes you to feel it more Mm -hmm. than she wants in some of the covers of the song it's like they're like more angry protesty like these are the facts and you should know it and her i feel like she's like this is a family these are people Think about yeah. these people. She's so sorrowful. Like, she's so, like... And, like, the, the insult to injury, you don't even know their names. You didn't even, even bother Ugh. with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, so, like, the last thing I want to, like, ask you guys about, like, one of the themes I kind of brought up is, like, 
criticism often levied against Dolly Parton and like the maybe her Achilles heel is like and it's something called dolitics where she doesn't like to explicitly say what her beliefs are mm-hmm. about everything. She doesn't like she doesn't like to talk about the election. She kind of like whenever someone like at like point blank asks her, she's like, well, this is blah, 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 blah. Like she kind of like sides is able to sidestep it a little bit. And same with like me too. Like she did like say like black lives matter and stuff like that, which is like great. But like the idea of like, that's like kind of like something her like sister, even her sister like criticized her about was like, you should say, you should use your voice to, talk about me too because it's like like the way like people look up to you and stuff like that and like you can't just sing a song and like that makes it okay but like i don't know i feel mixed about because it's like part of me sees like one she's done so much like and through her actions Mm -hmm. she shows that she cares about it like and like something like the nine to five movie like so she's advanced for like you know her time and stuff like that like and like she's done so much like you know good work and stuff and then also maybe there's a part of me that's like we expect too much from celebrities we that's like i think her job is like as an icon basically just like a representative yeah yeah and i would also say like what what do you want why why do people want her to say something what do you want because what i want is for people's minds to change Mm -hmm. um and then force for the world to change and society to change and i don't think that that always happens because someone explicitly said here's what i believe and you should believe it too sometimes that's what's needed but sometimes a song that no one is ever going to forget like nine to five like that's way more part of our cultural you know memory and history that's going to do that seeps into people's bones and she's so Mm -hmm. consistent with the way that she lives her life and the, the songs that she chooses and the projects that she chooses that i feel like by not, especially with a country audience, by not being explicit, she is able to, I think, reach more people with mm-hmm. messages that I very much agree with. Yeah, like, yeah. You know? well, it, yeah, it's like you're you're not like if so, like if someone were like they're a Dolly Parton fan and they are they agree with like the Me Too movement or whatever, you know? Sure. And sure. but and like so, let's say she like voices her opinion and says like oh like i'm in favor of like me too it's like okay cool nothing changed but what if she doesn't then what you're just now like a not a dolly parton fan like nothing changes from that like yeah i feel like people want to hear like they you know i mean it happens online if somebody does something shitty of any kind and then they're like they'll come to different people be like say something about this and it's Mm. like why do you need me to say something about it because i it's not going to change anything. So it's not about that. It's not about changing things and, and moving us in a direction. It's about you needing something from me. And yeah. that's different. Is that doing something for the, the greater movement in the greater world? Or is it just mm-hmm. satisfying a, a need that you have in, in your brain? Right. Well, and it's also like, like you said too, like if you paid attention to her music and you know her music it's like you can kind of figure out where she stands you don't really need to to get her to directly say it that fan part of my brain would love it if dolly was like i'm a feminist i'd be like oh yeah that's so cool because me too but i don't think that it would make i don't think that it would really change or improve much and i think maybe at some point it would um 
And I think she's pretty good at figuring out when that is, when it's like, okay, me saying this will get people who are already like, huh, this seems right to me. If it's like they're, they're, they're more interested in the idea than they are on the fence about her. Do you know what I mean? Like, like her adding to it would tip them over like probably black lives matter. Although that may also be just like, straight up outrage like are you serious this has to that, that yeah. there's any argument about this like a fucking course of course <laughs> um yeah. yeah you're saying she doesn't necessarily have to go through those mental gymnastics of like well i tip the scales like just duh of course she's gonna say that for fuck us matter yeah yeah like I, yeah i'm not sure if she needs and and i get the feeling for her though it's not even mental gymnastics like for me it would be but for her i feel like, <laughs> like her gut's like it's time i should say it <laughs> They need me, and it's going to make a difference. I won't be wasted. They do a little dolly bat signal in the sky. Yeah. Oh, I'll do more. I'll do more good than harm. All right, I'm going to do it. Um, but yeah. So. Can I also just say that uh, your Dolly Parton accent is like <laughs> so on point? <laughs> oh, thank you. I wish I, it was better. I, <laughs> I I would love to actually be able to do Dolly. Although I did spend a lot, a good part of the pandemic. Well, here's what I did to spend to be creative: um, realizing that her voice very, very well fits Phil Collins' Genesis songs. So, like, mm. you can say wrong, I say right, say no when you know it is not. It's always the same. <laughs> it's just a shame. That's all. You can leave, but I can't go. It'll be easier. I know. I can't feel a thing. That's that's all. Um, you you guys won't know. She's all so old, but um, she seems to have an invisible touch. She reaches in and slowly tears you yeah. apart. Um. <laughs> Get into Genesis also. That's oh yeah, especially the Phil Collins. Woo! I like Peter Gabriel, but I like his solo stuff better. I, I had a, I had another thought, kind of as we were talking about um, some of the just Dolly not speaking out on certain things, and I think like um, especially now after listening to this, I think and and knowing some of the stuff she does like to talk about, I think there's something to be said too about Dolly Parton through the lens of as a feminist in her time and two as as a true almost like a true matriarch in that sense which i think like i think the perspective of having something to say and then saying it because you are a person who will be listened to is a distinctly masculine or patriarchal idea that like you have this power you have this responsibility to act upon this and 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 and, and i think it's like the way that she leads and is a lot subtler. It's a lot. Uh, it's mm. through, through example, through um, influencing, like like Eliza said, influencing the housewife, like the, the, this uh, you know this mystical housewife that doesn't exist. But it's like being that kind of representation, that kind of like strong matriarchal woman, like that um, that like has this heart for a lot of people. Like I think that's I think that's a lot of why. Um, you know, Dolly resonates so strongly with um with women, with with queer people, and things all in that sense. It's like we understand that inherent, you know, <laughs> that 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 femininity. I guess that comes yeah. with the wow. yeah yeah. That's interesting. I would I would not have made that connection, and I think you're you're totally right that it like to me it's influencing rather than pushing. Mm. Um and but yeah, that is a lot more feminine matriarchal than than patriarchal. Um I I I myself have been 
questioned a few times, like, hey, how come you're not more political? And I'm like, I think I'm very political. <laughs> um, but I don't, but like, like, I had an argument with a guy on a podcast one time because he was like, well, I just love telling when somebody says something fucked up. I love being like, you're fucked up. And I'm like, do you think that changes their mind? Right. Do you think that makes them not say that again or think that again? And he was like, no, but they need to know. And I'm like, well, yeah, see, I am a lot more concerned with how can I get that person to change and like in wow. my own life i try to think of it I, I i think of it as keep your eyes on the prize which i feel bad about thinking of it as that because i believe that is a martin luther king jr quote about much more important things than do i want to have a fight in this writer's room but for me it's what is what is what do i want what do i want do i want this person to know that i can yell do i want the the, the world to know that i can be pushed around i mean to a degree with dolly or do I want to lay the foundation for real change? And I think that's wow. what she's done. Like, let's uh, take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk highlights and lowlights of uh, 9 to 5 and odd jobs. Click. Oh, no. Am I even recording? Oh, no. Oh, wait. No, yes, I am. Just a okay. little. Hey. <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, speaking of icons, welcome back. Uh, <laughs> uh, here talking Perfect about transition for what we'll keep in the episode for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we're here talking about um, Dolly Parton's Nine to Five and Odd Jobs. Uh, let's go through uh, highlights of this album. Uh, what's a highlight for uh, Eliza? Nine, nine to five. <laughs> yeah, of course. You like uh, that? That's course. crazy. So do I. <laughs> Same, bestie. <laughs> yeah, OMG. Um, yeah, I. Uh, so obviously that one. I. I also love, as I said, her version of Deportee, and yeah, I mean, I love so much of it. I, I love Dark as a Dungeon. I'm into oh, the, yeah. the the real weepers. Mm. The, both of those are real sad. <laughs> Nine, yeah, uh, nine to five is like I, I was telling Josie over the break. Like there was a period. We're on a break. <laughs> I was gonna do Kramer, but that's uh, <laughs> you do that every time. I know. Yeah, my instinct is like Seinfeld. What's break. the deal with breaks? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there was a period like last year where my boyfriend and I were just listening to nine to five like on repeat for like a week straight because it's just so catchy. Like. It pulls you in right off the bat. And then I love the, like, drum hit right before the chorus. Like, it feels like um, I Will Always Love You a little bit. Like, sure. just explodes, basically. And, yeah, I think it's just so catchy. It's like, get ready so for catchy. it. Yeah. Here, comes yeah. A, here comes a chorus that you're gonna love. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a song that literally everyone on Earth has listened. Like, you, you love it. Everyone yeah. on Earth will love it when they hear it, you know? I would hope so. Yeah. So good. Mussolini's the only guy who doesn't like this song. Hitler loves it. Uh, my, uh, did you have I ever told you guys about my that my great grandpa? Wait, this is not a podcast story. Sorry, whatever. My great grandpa <laughs> was my great grandpa grew up in Italy, um, and he was like my my, and he grew up during World War Two, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, my brother would always try to like he was like really, really like like a <gasps> wild. Well, aw, <laughs> no, but no. he was like a wild, wild, wild guy. Like, and he would always have like the craziest stories to tell us. Um, and he would always forget like the English that he knew, like forget whenever he got in trouble and he would just speak in Italian. And my grandma would be like, stop just talking in Italian. Like, 
I know you know English, like you're just doing this to get out of trouble, basically. <laughs> and so my brother would always talk to him like at every like family reunion and like record their conversations because he wanted to like bait him into saying like crazy things, basically. Mm. So he like wow. could show us. So my brother has this recording of him saying that uh, he was sad when Mussolini fell out of power because uh, the trains were always on time. Uh, oh, yes. So I thought that was really crazy. That was, that was the big claim to fame that Mussolini made the, the trains run on time. <laughs> you gotta admit. I mean, you like, gotta admit. Yeah, throw him a bone. Good people on both sides. <laughs> no. Boo. Anyways, Sorry, not uh, nine to, to five derail. is a good song. Nine to five Unlike is a good song. Moral is nine to five is good. Nine to five is a great song. Like I it's excellent world building lyrically and instrumentally. Uh the idea of pour myself a cup of ambition is just great writing. And then oh, like, you know, line. all that stuff. Yawn and stretch and try to come to life is just like really great world building. Like th- little fragments of the day to like really mm-hmm. tell the story and show showcase the mood and then like working nine to five what a way to make a living like the chorus is such a great articulation of working class struggle like it's it's like that's one of the great that's one of the jobs of a songwriter or a comedian or, or artist or whatever is to articulate things that like you know people who like that's not their job like our feeling basically and with the chorus too like what a way to make a like the line what a way to make a living is so like delivered like ironic and sassy and it's like yeah that's how people feel working like putting on a happy face basically like even though they make less than minimum wage like yeah so i think it reflects that really well too yeah and i i I always appreciate a song that doesn't talk about an obvious emotion like that's not Mm. like I mean, although one of Dolly's favorite songs is um, Walking on Sunshine, but like a song like that is like happy, oh, it's happy, her? happy. And, <laughs> no, it's not her, but she did cover it on her album of covers. Um, yeah. But something that's like, oh boy. I, I do like I happy, happy, this, happy. That's a good song. <laughs> but it's like, I hate this, but I got to do this and we're all in this together. But uh, like, it's just not, not a clear cut emotion, um, but you, but you know it when you hear it. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, it's still mm-hmm. universal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, also, I feel yeah. like every work song borrows from this or is is striving for this. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. all like other songs that are about like work, like working for the weekend, um, mm-hmm. or uh, taking or care of business every time. <laughs> make manic Monday. I mean, these she are, works hard for the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like like you'll you'll hear some of those elements that you guys are talking about, like that, like that that hit that like sort of like call to attention of like you know but yeah i think that they're all like this is the this is the one that that this is the iconic one also going back to like the story about the nails have we all seen the video of her and patty labelle singing oh, so and great. clicking yeah. together <laughs> no eliza watch it it's on youtube yeah, 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 yeah. it's okay, delightful i'm writing it down patty. it's delightful Lapel. She seems like she'd just be a good pal, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Patty the pal. Patty Lapel. Oh, yeah, we got to do it at the same time. <laughs> That's why we're co-hosts. <laughs> Josie, what's a highlight for you though? This song is so catchy. As soon as, yeah. I, as soon as I heard it, as soon as I started playing, I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." Um, my <laughs> my immediate impression was, I need to listen to a lot more Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. Um, you should then... listen along to Dolly Parton on I've been meaning to listen to that. <laughs> what it really says? There's the there's a podcast that will talk about the music. Plugging your own podcast for people who. 
for people. Amazing marketing strategy, yeah. Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> The um, demographic of the people who are on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very specific. And then, actually, aside from nine to five, um, my my hi- my personal highlights were um, House of the Rising Sun, Working Girl, and But You Know I Love You, which is you know like sixty percent oh. of the album. But um, I was just <laughs> I was just really surprised to hear a song about like speaking positively about sex workers um, mm-hmm. in an album like this about like about work, about making a living, about, you know, just trying to exist. And it's like, as, as somebody who has recently connected with a lot more sex workers, partially just cause you know, that's part of the trans experience is that like oftentimes for a lot of trans women, especially um, sex work is one of the easiest ways to make a living mm-hmm. um, because, you know, we are fetishized and commoditized and, and and all those things so it's like i think that was great to see that and then and then the but you know i love you was just a big in the heart oof kind of like and and you know and and like eliza said earlier that those are my favorite songs (laughs) the ones that make me cry those are my favorite songs um yeah yeah, that's what dolly's good at i feel like i'm very surprised with like how in touch with the working class she seems on this like like especially like at like a as her star is rising and stuff like that and now she's like kind of a multi-millionaire and you know working girl especially you know she's so specific with this character's pain and like her like struggles and stuff like that that's like oh wow like she maybe she understand like even though like her job is a musician and stuff like that Maybe as a woman in the entertainment industry, she kind of understands on some level what this person's going through. Well, like, and she also grew up like she grew in up poverty. poor. Yeah. yeah. So she yeah. probably saw it firsthand. Yeah. And like, but it's like, you know, with a lot of celebrities who like kind of grow up poor and then become rich, like it like and when your life becomes that becomes your life, like you're kind of surrounded by wealth and excess and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You people, some people forget, forget. Uh, some people kind of forget. And like, or they don't like, they lose touch with like what that was like or anything like that. Right. But like, I, I'm really impressed with like how much she's, you know, stays in touch with it. The best way for me to describe that, the word I'm looking, the, the word <laughs> I'm searching for to describe is that like, she just seems genuinely humble. Whereas I feel like a lot of other artists that try to do something like this, um, I, I'm, I'm looking at Kanye specifically because, you know. Um, but like, Uh-oh, watch what you say, first, Andrew. <laughs> the oh, <yeah>. first <laughs> few Kanye albums, it's like, yeah, okay, there's some of that. There's like the there's that root to the person, and then it just complete like just goes off the rails, right? Versus like right. this is the point in Dolly's career where she's reaching icon status, but then this is real. This is in touch. This it doesn't forget what it's like to not have money, to not have mm-hmm. success, and also to yeah. I think that's that says a lot about how she goes about i mean her, i think she stayed yeah. she stayed humble and relatable all the way up until uh parsis her album where she claimed that she was what yeezus doll dolls oh, <laughs> yeah. parsis okay. um, doesn't work oh, i need to work oh yeah out. okay okay, okay. <laughs> i'm a goddess um yeah yeah <laughs> I, I, am a go- I mean valid but <laughs> I, yeah you know i would buy it from her parsis. i think it's really i think it's a really good point that you make josie and i i think that it speaks to core values to like what what was important to her i think i think with people in general what's important to them at the beginning is what's important to them at the end yeah Mm -hmm. um like the 
you know, and is it, is what's important, you know, expressing your views or is it getting, being respected or is it being famous? Like, mm-hmm. are you working mm-hmm. that hard because you want to be famous? Or are you working that hard for other reasons? And I feel like, you know, I, I, I love a lot of Kanye's stuff, but I feel like he is, you know, it's hard to speak to with all, with the, where the mental illness, like, weaves yeah. into yeah, yeah. his career. But it does feel like um, fame was important to him and mm-hmm. that, that specific type of respect. And while Dolly actually, like, totally gets that fame and that respect, I don't get the feeling that she was like, this is what I'm working for. Right. This is right, why right, I exactly. do it. Yeah. Well, I, exactly. I just think, like, on her, uh, I don't remember which album it was. I think my Tennessee Mountain Home that we covered. She like she has a song about the doctor that del- came to her house and delivered her. And it's like the fact that she's willing to write about things like like just something as simple as that. Just to me is like, oh, she wants to give back. Like she's not in this for the money or the fame. She's just in this for the people and yeah, the connections yeah, yeah. and I'm telling stories about yeah. those kind of people. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Michael, what's a highlight for you? Uh, highlight for me. Uh, I, I, uh, really like Detroit city. Uh, I think that one feels really like storytelling, very personal to Dolly. I really, uh, I don't know. I really like that one. Whenever it comes on, I feel like, uh, I like the refrain where she's talking about wanting to come back home basically. Yeah, and it, very impassioned. Very sweet. Yes. Um, something we haven't talked about. Um, Dark as a Dungeon again? Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> I like that song a lot. I think it's good. I, that's the one song I'm like, that felt like, like there was one passage that felt mildly patronizing. Uh, just like, um, you know. Okay. Sorry, Merle <laughs> I, I, Travis. You're patronizing and not even Dolly could save it. That's what I'm hearing. Oh, boy. Oh I pity boy. the miners yeah. that dig my bones yeah. and stuff like that. That, that like, I know it's like someone else wrote it, but like, <laughs> I, I like that. But I also like that she sings it like literally about coal miners and stuff like that. Like that's that's not a subject of a song that like kind of that's not like a Bill, Billy Eilish isn't going to write a song about. I mean, a that's miner, what Zoolander is about. <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's true. But also like, um, Papa, sing, I've got the I, like, <laughs> <laughs> well, and also I, I, I mean, I think it's interesting that that they talk about the like the allure of the mine. Uh, that's like the, 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 that these these men not only trudge into it but then like get addicted to that life and it's like mm-hmm. why what what is the system in which of course they have to be that mm-hmm. when that's like your only opportunity what are you going to walk away from that opportunity I mean once again I feel like at this point like it it seems like it reflects a lot of I would say like sex work I mean it's yeah it's well money. that's what I was going to say, it feels like a, because House of the Rising Sun and this album is more upbeat, this feels like the, like, dark side of, I mean, they're, yeah, it feels like the darker side of House of the Rising Sun, like, the dark version of it, I guess. Because um, the house, you know, in the, like, animals version of House of the Rising Sun, like, it's not about sex work. Or it could be implied that it is. Yeah, animal, yeah. Uh, his cover <laughs> of it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, is, there is house New Orleans. <laughs> I think uh, when you, I think when you compare House of the Rising Sun to Night to um, Dark as a Dungeon too, I think there's something interesting in terms of. Um, I'm going to bring it back to feminism because I like to bring everything back to feminism. But <laughs> I think that House of the Rising Sun and Working Girl, like, there's this understanding that the uh, as sex workers that it doesn't that 
that their work doesn't define them as people. It's something that they do to make a living versus mm. dark as a dungeon kind of feels like there's an addiction to that darkness because it becomes like making a living becomes your worth as a man, as a, as a, you know, as it's like, there's so much of that tied into working culture. It's like, yeah, you're, you're a man, you're, you're, you bring home bread for the family. And then, and that becomes like your purpose for being, you know, coal to put into stockings and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's really yeah. like, and, and it, it makes, it, it makes sense. It's like this whole idea of, of, existing to provide that's tied to masculinity mm-hmm. versus the opposite of like i'm i'm working to provide but really only to like build a better life to exist you know i think like yeah wow. that's that's Andrew, powerful did, you said coal in the stock and did you do you think this song is about santa claus <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like um oh, buddy. yeah <laughs> um but like sing um, for the common man is about santa claus it's about the elves <laughs> um let's go through low lights what's a low light for uh josie do you have anything low light for me was deportee um Mm. and it's not because i didn't enjoy it like (laughs) i thought that um it was i was like oh this is like this it's it's a heartfelt story and it humanizes people and i I love that especially because it's like very inclusive in terms of the kinds of people that work and they're trying to survive Mm -hmm. right for me, it was a low light, and this is probably because of the time in which that this was all that this song was written to. Because this is like this is a cover of Woody Guthrie. Okay, and and Woody Guthrie, like I don't know, I know of Woody it's Guthrie, from like but Woody Guthrie's like I believe. okay, yeah, mm-hmm. like fifties and sixties is the time I was thinking. So it's like this song to me felt kind of like that white ally who is like trying to get it right, but also kind of like missing the mark and a little offbeat at the same time. Like the heart is good, but then some of the things that are said, it's like. Adios, Miss Amigos, Jesus Maria. Like, mm, okay, like this is good, but it's also kind of stereotypical <laughs> in ways. So I think that's the only reason it was the low light. Like, I, I enjoyed it, but I did. I got that vibe a little bit too, just with like the goodbye Rosalita, like my friend Juan or whatever she says. But also mm-hmm. like, well, also naming them in the song is part of the contrast to uh, them being not named. Oh, fair they, point. Fair point. Plane crashes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like taking away those names um i will say so this song has been covered like a billion jillion times bob dylan did one yeah mm-hmm. like Ev- goodbye Ev- rosalita or whatever. <laughs> um but it it i was kind of, i was i listened to a few different covers of it um versions and i was kind of disappointed that i they were all well there was one there like odetta did it but it was mostly white people and i was like I would love to hear this in the hands of some Mexican people since this is who they are. That is who they are singing about. And like, what kind of alterations would they make? How would they do like, right. Or just really a voice from any person of color period. Just, yeah. Yeah. But but I mean, this is pretty specifically about this actual incident. So, Mm -hmm, but yeah. Any other like low lights, any other like things we got to like, um, I am not swept away by Hushabye Hard Times. Oh, no. <laughs> I love that song. I think really? it's good. Really? It doesn't I hit love... the funky mark for me that I think it's trying uh, to. I, feel I like love the message really charming. <laughs> yeah, I love the, like, honky-tonk feel. And I love, like, <laughs> yeah. the the rhythm is very, like, it's the the downbeats, the downbeat, the downbeats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, aren't where you think they'd be. Like, it it comes in a little early. Like, it feels very syncopated. And I just think it's a really fun. It feels very, like, 
a shakeup a little you bit. You know, so. it may it may largely be due to the fact that it comes right after nine to five. So it's well, like good point. luck, any song. <laughs> <laughs> fair point. Literally, it's like it's like following Eliza Skinner after a comedy uh, festival. Come on, <laughs> um, kiss also, a little more ass. <laughs> also, I don't love her. I love that she did House of the Rising Sun. Thank you. This was my low light as well. It was it was weird. Yeah, I didn't like it at first. It did grow on me a little bit, but it just it it the music doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it fits the tone of the song to me. So she did the arrangement on this one. Yeah, Mm. it's very different from any other version I've heard of this song. Yeah, yeah, me too. And but I don't necessarily think that it's like a way you should have done this. You know what I mean? Like. The, the like my favorite cover of House of the Rising Sun is from like this American Idol contestant. Oh, oh yeah, Animal <laughs> the Muppet. No, uh, Haley. He's my favorite living artist. Like name. we're gonna do a the, next month. We're gonna do a Wait, month on his. Is that is that a real thing? Is that is there a cover of House of the Rising Sun just <laughs> done on the drums by Animal? Is that, <laughs> <laughs> there, there should be. There should be. There isn't. Like, okay. <laughs> that's in the Disney Plus. I, w- I was kind of excited for a second. I was like, "Wait, I that mean, sounds up." <laughs> Rolf the dog did a cover of it. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> oh, no, wait, no, this, is, this is like a fake takeoff, oh, like okay, some, okay. some oh. sketch thing, but. Jan- I, I could see Janice doing the song, um, but like, um, I like the, the one like kind of bummer with House of the Rising Sun is like, there's a little moralism with it. Uh, just like, kind of like, she's broken down by living a sin, life of sin, shame and strife. So there's a little bit of like, oh, she's a little judging this mm-hmm. lifestyle but i don't know like it could be just like the lyrics of this old song so yeah but you could also I, argue like it's not that her she's she's like intrinsically bad but like this is a hard life and she has not been treated well doing it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you really turn turn me around yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any other like any other stray observations final thought like let's get through uh <laughs> we gotta like wrap up soon let's get through uh final thoughts and rings on this album um this has been lovely and so so fun um let's uh yeah the way this works is we'll rate this album out of 10 and like kind of give our final thoughts um i'll go first i really like this i I like this album maybe not as much as some of the other ones we listened to uh on i've been meaning to listen to that uh dolly potton (laughs) and um beyond like uh nine to five there's nothing as ear wormy as that like it really sets a high watermark that the rest of the album i think is good while very good doesn't quite meet um so it kind of like i wish it kind of there's a part of me that wishes it built to that because like just the just like in quality and like you know building to this explosive beautiful song but it really showcases how jolly wears her fame wears her new icon status really well and pretty responsibly obviously their flaws obviously they're short she has shortcomings but I think she's kind of like represents a lot of ethical capitalism, like a lot of like, you know, she's like the Costco of like musicians a little bit. Um, So I think this is really great. A lot of great songs. Um, I wish it was a little more personal. Like, obviously, it's personal in like, you know, this is what she cares about. But like it become this is more, you know, she's more of a vessel for like the working class than a certain type of person. Less so than, like, what's her deal? Like, who is she? And stuff like that. Um, so I'm going to give this... Um, I'm going to give this eight cups of ambition out of ten. There I go. Very nice. Uh, I'll go quickly. Um, yeah, I would... 
pr- pretty much agree with what you said, Andrew, for the most part. It's I do I do like the album. I think there are like I think all the songs are pretty good. Um, I think after the first two songs, it kind of starts to slow down a little bit for me and doesn't quite hold my attention uh, as much as some of the other Dolly albums we've gone over. I will say the thing that's nice about this podcast is hearing everyone else talk about these songs has kind of made me appreciate them a little bit more. So I will, I did give it a higher rating than what I previously had written down. Uh, but yeah, overall, I think it's pretty good. Um, for an album of mostly covers, I was pleasantly surprised at how well they all fit together. And I think Dolly did a pretty good job of making them all her own. I will give it seven nine to fives out of 10. Hey, uh, Michael, we turn to you now. Uh, this album is just fine. It's uh, after listening to many, many Dolly albums, um, nine to five is pretty much the only standout to me. The rest is fine, but not great. Uh, that her cover of House of the Rising Sun is confusing to say the least. <laughs> uh, and I just don't like this one as much. I will be giving this. Uh, Dolly album, six nails that you replace with typewriters out of ten. Uh, Liza, we turn to you now. Um, I feel like, uh, overall, I think that what she did with this album, I think, and I'm definitely, you know, clearly a Dolly fan, and so probably being too generous, but I think you could call what she did with this album fucking subversive. Um, Absolutely. She was like, this is the this is a song that's attached to this movie. It's gonna it's poppy as fuck. I I'm nailing it with this song, and people are gonna want to buy this album. And here's what they get with the rest of it. Here's they get the fucking oh, journey of the working man. Get sure. into it, re- America. You gotta listen to all this now. Because the movie's um, not really about that. Like it's it's like nine to five is like the anthem of that movie. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. This the, yeah this album is not a reflection of nine to five the movie. Um, although both you know they're both good. Um, but uh, so I I love that about it. And I would say that while Dolly may seem she packages herself as the costco of music but you get inside and it's it's grand central market it's so much more complicated and and interesting than you expected um but i would probably only give it an eight also so uh it's got an eight um uh dream watching dreams shatter um, <laughs> out of ten <laughs> okay then josie we turn to you now. This is my first experience with a Dolly Parton album. This is my first experience with Dolly Parton, aside from just the bits I've heard about her and read about her and bits that, um, like the few songs I've been exposed to. Um, and all I really, and yeah, I was expecting a country album and, you know, some, a, a bunch of very catchy, you know, classically iconic dolly songs and what instead what i got was an album that was that clearly has a message and and i love that and i love the message um and especially for the time that it was put out in i think i i, I love this so um my takeaway from it is yeah goes oh I'll yeah listen to a lot more dolly i think i'm yeah. about to become a huge Go dolly white fan. limousine <laughs> um, yeah yeah okay ne- that's next up on my list white limousine i'm, I'm gonna go search for the vinyl now but I think that for me, this is a this is a solid um, 
Nine out of ten, five inch heels. Like, hey. <laughs> yeah, I really, really enjoyed this album. Yeah. Um, this is lovely. This is wonderful. Um, now let's get into our <gasps> I've been meaning to listen to that. And, and we, we did, did. Playlist. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we'll pick songs on the, uh, and put them on our playlist. Um, uh, does anyone want to go first? Really quickly. Uh, as, as a refresher, the last time that we did this, um, I put your song on the playlist. And um, yeah, it was the... The world is ending. Yeah. The world is ending, oh, yes. Thank you. Well, I mean, I could put another one of my songs <laughs> on. It's very <laughs> Dolly influenced. Yeah, um, called L.A. Comic. I'm just an L.A. about touring and being an L.A. comic. Um, there's a little, like, rap bridge in it that is absolutely ripped off of <laughs> 9 to 5. Um, I mean, you know, it's it's different, but it's, like, clearly doing that. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, me, me. I'll do it this time, Josie. <laughs> me! me. <laughs> uh, oh, I got one. I got one. Um, so I'll do two this week. Um, one is She Works Hard for the Money by Donna Summers. Click. Um, this song's great in terms of it being like pretty similar message to Dolly's album, but just like, um, look, I'll work hard and it's hard and it's difficult, but you know, if you treat me well, and if we, you know, if you, if you treat me well, and like I'm appreciated, then it's okay. You know, it's, it's survivable. And then the other one is Six Inch by Beyonce. Click. Um, I think this song's great. It's like kind of using like, you know, a sex worker as like a metaphor for like, you know, um, you know, the grind Beyonce's on and like Beyonce in a low place, um, after like, you know, the Jay-Z scandal. And, uh, I just like this so cinematic, so cool. Like the weekend sounds great, great on it. So, uh, yeah, that's my pick. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, my song this week is your flag to cow won't get you into heaven anymore by John Prine. Click. But your flag cow won't get you into heaven anymore. They're already overcrowded from your dirty little war. Now Jesus don't like killing, no matter what the reason's for. And your flag cow won't get you. Uh, I realized that I haven't put a John Prine song on the playlist yet, so I thought I would. Um, cool. And we... <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and, uh... You know, we, we talked a little bit about, like, musicians and, well, I guess celebrities, just, you know, whether or not they should speak out on politics, whatnot. John Prine was not shy of speaking out on politics. This is a song about, basically, he wrote it right around the Vietnam War and was talking about how he was, like, reading at a, he was at a bookstore and saw these, like, flag decals and was like, oh, I, you know, see these, like, everywhere, people putting them on their trucks, you know, 
to support the troops or whatever, but like that's not actually doing anything. You're still sending these people off to die. So, and it, it's got his like classic John Prine wit in it. And at the end, he's like, well, I got my window shield so filled with flags I couldn't see. So I ran the car upside a curb and right into a tree. And it's like, I don't know, just the irony of it, I think is it's a well-written song. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's also just very catchy. So yeah, yeah that's my pick. Uh, Michael, you get next. Uh, my pick is uh, from the original motion picture soundtrack from the movie In the Heights, uh, No Me Diga. Uh, click. Just wanted to see what you'd say. That's a fun um, yeah, it, oh yeah, uh, the nails. Yeah, the, yeah. It's it's like at a salon. It's got nails in it, like Dolly Parton. It's uh, you know, talking about the working class uh, Hispanic people who live in New York City. Um, I and I like this song. That is how it connects to this album. <laughs> <laughs> and I like Nine to Five too. Um, right, right. <laughs> and uh, Josie, we turn to you now. Yes. Okay. I actually have a really good, re- very relevant song for this one. Um, this is a song that I've been turned on to relatively recently that very strongly reflects my mood recently. Um, another thing I forgot to say about this album, which probably contributed to how much I enjoyed it, was how relevant it is for me at the moment, not working and trying to, you know, make a living while kind of like content creation, odd jobs, like little things here and there. Yeah. But, um, capitalism tires the fuck out of me. Mm. And this song is called um, Community by Stick and Poke. Grew up in Toronto and now we're far away. Keeping cozy in the West, still waiting for the day that we don't have to write column posts about how we've been abused. Why is it so hard to love someone and not be used? There are pockets of community, but all in all is shit. It's, um, they're like a small um, Canadian folk band. And... This, it's a song about being traumatized by being prescribed value as a, as a human and wanting to build a bunch of cabins in the mountains and just live with people and, and heal your heart by living with people that value you as a human. And I'm like, you know what? That's a, that's a big old gay mood. <laughs> um, um, and yeah, I'm, uh, I think it's, I think it's. Uh, I, w- I would also add um, sweet if you if you like a weeper, um, <laughs> Sweet Lorraine by Patty Griffin. Brown eyed skeever who came from a long line of drinkers and dreamers who knew their sunshine don't hold up to dark. She has written music for like tons of country artists. Um, she's a songwriter. She, she, she's probably done more work as a songwriter um, than as an independent artist, but, or like as, as an artist, as a, as a singer, as a, um, but yeah, yeah. solo artist. Uh, yeah. Yes. Thank you. But uh, I think she's just great. And I think, you know, it's kind of a nod to Dolly's songwriting abilities um, that other people could cover, but it's also sweet. Lorraine is like a real, like, Heart, heart tugger. It's about uh, the tough life for a lady um, mm. who had a tough life. So that. That, that movie Cats is a rum-tum tugger. Oh, um, boy. But, 
Um, but like, uh, I, I want to be, I want to be, I want to work in comedy one day. But like, uh, like, uh, yeah, thank you so much. Let's get into plugs. Uh, Josie, um, how, how can we find you on TikTok, Twitch, and all that stuff? This is confusing because my old TikTok name and Instagram name was Asian Adora for the longest time. Um, and I've since transitioned my Instagram account and TikTok to saint.josie, um, which is the name I use for music and stuff like that. Um, and then, but however, I am still Asian Adora on Twitter and, and Twitch because it's just a more like one St. Josie was taken and two St. Josie just doesn't sound like a gaming kind of thing. So Mm. I just, yeah, I don't know. Asian Adora just like, yep, she's a gamer. That makes sense. (laughs) Uh, by the way, like St. Josie, like uh, you got that moniker because one time we recorded an episode of you and it was three hours long. It was back when we were not good at podcasting and um, that episode got deleted. So like and you still are talking to us, whereas <laughs> mm-hmm. if Michael mm-hmm. like um, if I did that to Michael, he would block and then murder me. Execution yeah, I, style. I, would, I would drive to Andrew's house from Tulsa, Oklahoma and I would kill Andrew and I would not do the podcast any longer. Yeah, yeah. I was officially um, named a saint after it took seven tries to record the first episode of this podcast <laughs> that we did together. Uh, I know, right? Um, uh, Eliza, what, where can we find you? Um, Anything you'd like to plug to? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, watch Earth to Ned on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, great um, job. So good. So good. Thank you so much. Um, I'm on Twitter at at Eliza Skinner. I'm on Instagram at at eSkins. I'm not on TikTok because I, I, you know, I feel like I'm too old and gay for people. There's already, (laughs) but also because someone, there's already a fake Eliza Skinner on there. What the hell? Yeah. Somebody just took Eliza Skinner and uh, on TikTok and put up a bunch of pictures of me and wrote like a, like, here's my first TikTok. Hope you guys like it. And I'm like, I definitely wouldn't have just done that. Um, So I guess they're just parked there hoping that I'm going to be like, please give it to me. Here's a, I'll give you my Emmy. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny that you're seeing that too. And you're like, they're not even doing me correctly. (laughs) Well, I was like, did I do this and forget? Because I I had a friend who was very like early on on TikTok was like, you gotta do TikTok. And I was like, I don't understand it. My brain can't accept a new social media language yet. Um, And I was like, did she make me start one? Did I like one night go like, yeah, I'll give it a shot and then forget about it. But then when I watched the video, I was like, no, that's not what I would have made. But uh, that stuff, and hopefully I'm going to have some podcasts coming out soon I'm working on bringing yeah. back cool playlist cool and playlist. i've also been Whoa. recording <laughs> i've also been recording episodes of a board game podcast with um and my boyfriend who's also a comedian awesome. andrew Ormidal. He had, a, he had a show on HBO. He's he's funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel weird being like my boyfriend. Like it's not like just like some guy that I met at a Seven Eleven. <laughs> I'm like well, we're going to do a podcast together now and be in uh, love. Well, we are the arbiters of your boyfriend. Of course, <laughs> yeah. so he's your boyfriend. He, he's he's worked professionally before. Uh-huh. Does he have an HBO show though? <laughs> he does, but he doesn't have an Emmy. So oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot riding on yeah. this podcast working yeah. out. Uh, this. This is an Emmy, Emmy having guest podcast or above. So. Yeah. yeah, you really yeah. set the threshold. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll see y'all in, you know, like 10 years or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so you can follow me at Andre Lee on Instagram and Twitter. You follow Sean at T1 underscore Sean on uh, 
Instagram and uh, Diabetic Twink on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Lemon Taco. <laughs> you can follow Michael at Lemon Taco. You're getting weirder on... and weirder. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow Michael at Lemon Taco on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, please rate us on iTunes. That really will help our algorithm and stuff <laughs> so we can make more content. Please um, rate so, us. Yeah. yeah rate and, us. Um, yeah, uh, thank you for listening. If you if you're still listening, and uh, now we'll have a closing <laughs> sentiment from Eliza. What? I said so much already. <laughs> oh boy, you and know. Now shut down. Um, you got one life. Live it the way you want to. <laughs> there you go. Yeah! <laughs> thank you so much, everybody. That was. A- this is a great episode. I'm so happy you came back. And again, um, thank you so much, everybody. Have a great day. <laughs> Click. <laughs>